0: All right, uh, we're back. Welcome back to another episode of Who's Good again. I'm your Savin, joined by Vishnu again this week. Two two episodes in a row consistently. Uh, we're we're doing better with with each passing week, and it's, yeah, it's been an interesting, chaotic week of football as per usual, given how things have been post the World Cup. Two derbies happened over the weekend. One with its fair share of controversy. The other far less controversial than it has ever been in the last couple of years uh, and now those two teams that won their derbies eventually <laughs> are going face-to-face in a, in a clash that hasn't had the same magnitude in, this, in the last five to six years to say the least. So it's going to be a very, very interesting weekend but uh, before we get into that, let's start the show.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. good to be back two weeks in a row. I hope we stay consistent now.
0: <laughs> <See> <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> a Decent start to the year. <laughs> this is a decent start to the year. Like that's 2023, the year of consistency. But yeah. 2023 also seems to be the year of, of Arsenal Football Club. Uh, because everyone spoke about that run at the start of the season as just a flash in the pan, something that wouldn't last. Clearly, clearly not the case. Arsenal are steamrolling their way uh, to the title at this point. And it all oh, began. It. <laughs> it began. It came into stark realization over the weekend uh, in the North London Derby against Spurs, a game which you
1: attended. Yeah, no, I didn't, I'm going for the game on Sunday. Oh, you're not going for... You didn't go for the Derby? No, I, I didn't make uh, it for the Derby, no. Okay, nice. No, yeah. So the game on
0: Sunday should be fun, but um, yeah. So the, the North London derby happened, and uh, that's all I can really say because not much else happened after the first thirty minutes. Because this is the first time I've seen Arsenal go to um, go, go to Spurs and not have any trouble at all. It was maybe there was a period in the early part of the second half where Spurs came out. Flying, came out of the blocks and they really went at Arsenal and tried to test the resolve. But even then, like barring that Sessignon chance aside, it didn't look like Arsenal were particularly threatened. And this is the the thing that Arteta has been doing very well since his arrival. I, I'd go so far as to say that he has this. Once he has a lead, very rarely does he end up letting it go. He really knows how to close a game down and you know slow it down to a point where. The the opposition is basically
1: just punching thin air. Yeah, but I think it's uh, three quick points on that game in terms mm-hmm. of uh, what you just said. I think Arsenal been behind only for eighty odd minutes throughout the season, and forty three mm-hmm. of them have been against United at Old Trafford. Mm-hmm. And secondly, if you look at the away record from the beginning of season, you have conceded just six in ten right, more <laughs> away games, and conceded six in ten. Mm. and it's just been throughout the season I mean you go to Brighton you go to Leeds you go to Chelsea mm. you go to Tottenham and even that United game we were in that game for about I would say 60-70 minutes and just mm. you know the way it went it went but we were in the game it's not like we got trounced or something
0: or like
1: yeah we yeah. Mm. Yeah, were in the game for the longest time and that's how some of those games go but it's that's been the story of Arsenal season Good yeah,
0: that and is the only game where you can noticely, notice, noticeably say Arsenal lost their heads for just about five minutes. because, And it didn't stem from the team. It just stemmed from, I think, Arteta going all-out attack. He threw basically everyone on. Uh, there was no Thomas party that weekend. He threw on Fabio Vieira. And I think he went for a four-four-two, which left gaping holes in, in midfield for the counter-attack. Yeah,
1: that's why I said last week as well, we learned from that mistake... Yeah, going into the away games after that particular game, and we saw that at Brighton, we saw that against Leeds, especially, we saw that against Newcastle, even though we draw. Like, we learn from those mistakes, and we go on, mm-hmm. and it's 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 really positive. But uh, this is something I picked up uh, from the Askcast. Um, I don't know if you follow them; mm-hmm. they have a really cool podcast they do after every game week, and um, it's all Arsenal, awesome, obviously. Yeah, of course. But, yeah. Uh, The host made a really good point where they noticed if you go to Mm -hmm. Arsenal's handle on their social media, there's this poster in the back, the background where Gabriel is celebrating, right? Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: it says identity with Mm -hmm. all the Arsenal players, the whole squad in in the I, in the D and Mm -hmm. everyone's there, right? Mm -hmm. Like that, that little detail is just, I mean, you could just say it's one of those gimmicky things or whatever. But it's not like it's. You it can see through. that on the pitch. You can see that in the way they play. You can see that in the you know the camaraderie and the togetherness and how they just celebrate goals and how they just like just in the performances itself.
0: Mm-hmm. Like it definitely is, like, like, is it's it's a not, team. Yeah, yeah, it's more of a definitely more of a team than most of the other teams competing for the prem. And this is and and when I and when I say that I mean. um like the, the goals are shared across your front three, your front six, for that matter. It's nobody is not doing the hard yards. Everyone's backtracking on on defense when they need to. The attack is free flowing, um, and it's sometimes almost uh, um, overwhelming for certain teams, especially the way Arsenal is so direct and, and and the way they they keep running at you. So, I, I mean, I, I think the only person that has kind of maybe taken a bit of a dip post-World Cup has been Martinelli. I don't think he's been very good. But then that brings me to to my next point, or rather, as good as he was prior to the break. My next point is that now you have Leandro Trossard, who was announced, I think, just an hour prior to us recording this episode. We are basically recording this episode between the Trossard announcement and the City Spurs game. And so I have no idea what's going to happen in the City Spurs game. It could be the most Spursy thing to do for the Spurs to show up there and rock up with three points. Go and get a draw. Yeah, <laughs> or a draw at, at least. Uh, I believe Betancourt is back, but all is not happy in that Spurs camp. They look extremely out of sorts, uh, and the manager seems very much on his way out. Yeah, but I, I feel like I've been rambling about Arsenal Spurs. What did you think of that game? <laughs> like, wh- wh- where did you did did any point you did you feel like okay, this might get away from us, or was it just smooth sailing throughout? The first
1: 40 minutes, I would say, in mm-hmm. complete control, mm-hmm. like in terms of just passing it in, in the midfield, or really you just playing out of the back. And you see how Spurs just kept backtracking instead of, they tried to close down party in the beginning, but then they just knew it's not going to happen. Like, they, you could just see it.
0: Not just, not even that, it was just the fact that because of the formation they choose to play, I think they were playing a 3-4-3 that day, and uh, Zinchenko was inverting into midfield and basically providing an extra player in there, which meant at every time Arsenal had an outlet ball. And Spurs just couldn't get near them. And it's and it's the sacrifice you make when you play a three-four-three, three, your defense has to be top-notch. And you need to have your wing backs be exceptional. Neither which let's be perfectly honest, neither of, uh, of those Spurs wing backs are what you'd call an exceptional
1: fullback. I would say the funniest analysis before the game just kicked off was Gary Neville, and Mm. he was basically just waiting for Arsenal to slip up. He's still waiting, (laughs) like, every week, right? And he said, "Oh, that battle on Zinchenko's wing is going to be really interesting. That physical battle is going to be really good to look at with Kolosevsky or whatever. And basically, Zinchenko just played him off the park. He won every duel in the game. Didn't lose a duel the whole game.
0: See, I am not Zinchenko's biggest fan because I have seen Dan James run him to pieces on several occasions. And the thing with Zinchenko is, you have to run at him, or you or you need a quick winger behind uh, who can make those runs runs behind him. And this is what Kulu, uh, Kulusevski coming back from injury, not exactly completely fit. You could have you could tell he was thrown into the derby, and at some points he was kind of taking it upon himself to um, take the initiative. And after a point, he just ran out of steam as well. And then Zinchenko happily picked up the pieces and, and moved his,
1: went on his way. Yeah, but then you see, you in comparison, you look in the Liverpool game where mm-hmm. he stuck Tommy Asu on that side of the pitch against Salah. Could mm-hmm. very well see the same thing against United, maybe on Sunday, depending on what tactical decision he t- decides to make. So I, there are I options think... to go in, in a different way that United might expect to come to the Emirates and Arsenal to play a certain way. But, there are options for sure. I, At I, least I, defensively.
0: Yeah, I think who who would you rather be more comfortable with on that wing? Because I believe that's the wing you that Anthony operates on, right? Because Zinchenko is the left back, Anthony being the right winger. Yeah. Who, for being completely honest, hasn't pulled up any trees since his arrival. Yes, he scored about six goals in all the comps, but there's still a lot of developing for that guy to do. Um, and we but we'll get to get to him in the United part of this episode. But who would you rather have on that wing? Would you go with the Tommy Would you
1: go with Tierney? I, I think we, uh, we just stick to Zinchenko because mm. even though like why, uh, when I was uh, talking to you earlier in the week, mm. we've conceded eight at home in as many games this season. right? We always conceded at home. We kept only two clean sheets. So I expect at least one goal to go in. Mm. But apart from that, I think we'll be comfortable at home, especially the way the, both the teams are coming into this game just looking at the last game.
0: Yeah. Right. And for sure,
1: yeah. you could just see like that game. I watched that the full 90 minutes yesterday. Uh-huh. And you could just see the United heads drop after that yellow card. Like that no. was a blow.
0: It, it was a blow. It was and, a big blow. And you could see the team gas out in the second half, which was for me, the bigger concern. Yes. Casemiro, that it was a blood to the head where he ends up making that tackle could have even been sent off. If it was, if it was other referees, it was because he went knee high. Uh, and but apparently that's the Casemiro trademark. He's been doing that for years at Real Madrid, and he's been getting away with it. So make of that what you will. But if you notice, I think United have been playing a game every three days since after the World Cup. I think the World Cup ended Sunday on I think the nineteenth of was it the nineteenth of December and oh the night
1: of the 20th 21st 22nd yeah of Mm. last month
0: yeah and 22nd was the united burnley game and ever since then it's been three days four days three days four days and for all of the talk of the title race i've been looking at that squad and and going one injury or one yellow card in this this matter um the team is done, <laughs> and if there's no obviously the, the yellow card is obviously the uh, the more recent event that that has happened. But if you look back to the weekend, it's a good way to pivot to the Manchester derby. When Rashford goes down in the first half, you could hear the collective <laughs> pin drop. Yeah, everywhere, and that's that's exactly where we are because we have a good playing eleven. But this is still the team that had its worst ever Premier League finish. Last season, like this is the team that got absolutely tossed around by Brighton 4 last year. This is still the team that has played some really atrocious football. We are one Casemiro injury or a suspension away from McFred in midfield. It's not to say Mcfred didn't play the Arsenal game. There's There have been certain players who have really come through under Ten Hag. Like yesterday, as you, you must have watched the game... If not for Aaron Wan-Bissaka, United don't go away, don't go out of that game with with a point because that last played Zaha two, off the back you know, basically. And and then Zaha and him are like friends, right? They've been playing each other for years, so he knows everything about Zaha, and Zaha knows everything about him. They interviewed Zaha towards the end, saying uh, he's like, if it were any other defender, I'd have scored. But then I turned to my to my right, and I saw Aaron running at me. I was like, "Oh no, it's Aaron because nobody else can do that scoop tackle the way he does it. He's atrocious. In, no, no, not say atrocious. He's getting better <laughs> in attack, but on one v ones, that's Aaron Wan-Bissaka's bread, butter, bread and butter. He's he lives for that kind of shit. Coming back to the to the point, even if you if you've noticed, the team is slowing down to the to a point where it can't keep up, and it, the schedule doesn't ease up for the next month or so. I think after Arsenal, they have Nottingham Forest in the cup." And Then they play. Um, I, f- I forget who they play next, but again, Forest the week after, then a prem fixture, and then they have Barcelona twice again. So it's, it's a long way before that team is going to get any rest. So
1: expect a, a major drop off to come in the next two to three weeks. Also, I want to make a quick point because after we spoke last time, I looked at Ten Hag's like just his overall journey to here, right? Hmm. And I'm actually. I'm actually questioning whether we should really be surprised about the job he's doing, like mm-hmm. with the amount of credit he's getting mm-hmm. in the sense that we all know he's doing a great job, right? Mm-hmm. But should we be really surprised that he's doing such a good job? Because if you look at like, like if you just look at the way he started, right? 2002, mm-hmm. 20, uh, 20 is under 17 coach. And mm-hmm. then his biggest thing comes where he basically takes this second division team called GoAid Eagles Mm. Who haven't played top flight football for like sixteen years gets mm. them up, right? and then surprisingly after that he becomes Bayern Munich's B team coach while yeah. Pep is there, mm. and that's exactly why you see that uh, that tactical nous and that you know you could see that when he played City because he's yeah. clearly picked up and evolved his like philosophy over the years, and obviously what he did at I- Ajax everyone knows about that, but if you really? look at just his like just the way he's planned everything to this point. Like, I actually take back what I said last week because we, sh- we shouldn't really be surprised with what he's doing and, like, I, why? Like, he, he's done a great job and yes. he should <laughs> be expected to. And if he doesn't do that, that's mm-hmm. when questions need to be asked, right? So there's, there's a very
0: uh, interesting thing about that I think differentiates him from, from most other managers that you would usually associate with his playing style. It's his ability to switch up plans he is this weird, as more of a, a Guardiola school of thought, he's this hybrid between Guardiola and Ancelotti, where sometimes he's comfortable with playing with and without the ball, because it's very evident that United this United player United team does not have your what you would ideally refer to as a possession-based football team that will recycle. Yes, they can do it in periods of times, but this is not the team that um, is going to like, Pass you off the park in most instances.
1: That's but, true, but mm-hmm. on the on the contrary, they become so much better off the ball. And oh, I think sure. everyone's noticed that. Like so in terms sure. of just how hard you saw that in the first half last night as well. They work their socks off off the ball. But then you can see that they're still a bit confused in the transition. Mm. And that's where the that's where the problem lies still. There's no clarity in that transition, not just in attack, but in defense as well. They're missing
0: a, a metronome midfielder. And, and, and Because if you notice last night in the game against Palace, every time Bruno Ericsson or Casemiro or gets the ball, the first thing is to like look for a forward run, which is good. We've been crying out for that for years because we've been so sick of watching McTominay pass it sideways to no effect for the, for the last 10, uh, 10 to 12 months. But when the going gets tough... That's when you need somebody to like keep a calm head and retain possession. And Matt is not very good at that either. And neither is Fred. Fred's more of a water carrier. He said that he's he's the he's the guy who carries whatever the piano player needs. You need that that metronome midfielder who is capable of calming a game down, like like your Michael Carricks or even your your your, your Sergio Busquets, which is why the chase for Frankie De Jong in the summer was so. In your face, right? Because Ten Hag was very clear about what he wanted, and, and as good as Casemiro has been, he's been excellent. He loses the ball a fair amount of times. He lost it at a uh, at at about a high of twenty six times yesterday. So he's always trying to make that risky pass. He's always clear, putting out fires, but that metronome midfielder to calm games down isn't isn't there just yet. And it was very apparent in the second half. See when that when that goal went in. It was like you—you you can't account for that. You can't account for Michael Olise having and like no no keeper is saving that. I saw I was I started clapping. I was like, fair play. You w- w- once once a goal like that goes in, it's like you it should have um, it, it, it. You should have closed out the game earlier. You you are going to have one of those worldies come at you <laughs> at Sellers Park. It's not a happy hunting ground for United. Yes, Palace haven't beaten United there very often but very rarely do they lose Palace was on a torrid run as well like it's it's a good result for them No, yeah. you, you, just, you just knew like the whole United fan base to a certain degree was like oh yeah Palace are on a horrid run they have Vieira's under pressure which means 1-1 <laughs> one, one Palace incoming at, at
1: some point or the other it's, I was surprised actually by the post-match comments De Gea's like saying why do we have to play midweek?" and Arsenal don't and then Ten Hag's like we beat them last time without uh, basically our most important player, and then it's, because it's just I, on that that just I, on edge a little bit. Like I, I can just sense that they're they're a bit on edge. I think he was I, yeah he he was annoyed
0: I, more than anything else. You could see he was annoyed because as Casemiro gets a yellow card, you can see Fred being prepared, <laughs> and they delayed it just by a couple of minutes. He didn't need to get that card. Varane was covering at the most. Zaha would have had a shot it would have been saved if he if he had goal
1: comes from bruno's pulling out of the out of a challenge and then he opens it all up at the yeah point. exactly and, and that's <laughs> Not going was, into it yeah and that's the <laughs> risk
0: of risk with bruno right because he's just he's so volatile at times like you don't know what the thought process is uh, and there are times he'll go into that 50-50 he'll come out he'll, he'll yell at the referee he'll yell at everybody and moan and, and kick about and then there are times he does that so Bruno, I think he has this Banner Hulk situation going for him, where his inner monologue is screaming at him to do things, while he he's like he's like outer person has okay, I need to be calm, I need to be chill, and whenever he tries to he's to his credit for the majority of the season, he's not got the the insane assist numbers he had, let's say under 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 Solshire. but. He's I think he crossed
1: hundred goal involvements now, and I think 150 all appearances, yeah. which is still insane.
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of that happened in the in the two seasons prior this season. I think he's been more of a calmer presence, but that figure is still in there. And yesterday was a really bad time for it to
1: come out. Uh and <laughs> you I can think see that, that building up in, in that with that fight with Anthony. In the first half. Yeah, yeah. That's quite yeah. funny.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, and and I think that those are the kind of things that I don't know why. The moment I saw it, I thought, "Oh, that's what Mourinho would absolutely love." Mourinho would have taken them into the halftime and been like, "This is this is what I want. This is fire, fireiness that I, I want in my yeah, players."
1: It, it, you you think if you watch that uh, the Spurs Amazon dog it's yeah. like recently saw like that, Bruno, <laughs> going at halftime.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we've grown up in a generation where we saw was it was it, uh, Kieran Dyer and and Lee Boyer. Uh, at, at Newcastle, that basically started kicking each other um, yeah. over a free kick, and then they go back into they both get sent off, and I think they lose the game. And Alan Shearer walks into the dressing room and absolutely tears them to shreds. What the fuck's wrong with you? What you guys have no sense. So, for me, that's the pinnacle, and like all of this is just like child's play. <laughs> Bruno and Anthony can yell at each other and call each other a bitch, and this and that. Uh, and you kind of see it like by the time they score the goal, uh, they both calmed down a little bit. And, and I and yeah. as for that first half, I was talking to a friend about it. The one time they calm it down and they and they slow down play is the time they score because they kept rushing through as much as uh, as much of control as they had in the first half. They kept rushing it time and time again. The one time they slowed down, take a look around because Palace weren't pressing. Palace weren't in the game. In in the first half,
1: so the, the I one think time, it was really poor goal to concede. Like, Palace just they, they were just nowhere near it when that goal went in. Like, they were just statues. Like, no one was, no one made a move movement towards the ball. Like, what happens?
0: I think if you notice, Weghorst is you know he had an okay debut as much as you'd expect for somebody who's been playing in Turkey, having two training sessions and coming in, but he takes two players with him, which is what opens up the space. For bruno uh, in, in the center of the box so, and as as he brings those two players forward, Bruno' is waiting take, has enough time to take a touch and and fire it in, but unfortunately, United come out of there with a point uh, but I mean that being said i'm it, it was in the moment you're obviously like a little bummed about it, and you can't really like account for an Elise Wonder strike, who apparently doesn't celebrate goals that aren't winners. I've just come to realize which is why he has that that walk-off. I'm like, what happened? Did someone die? Why you've scored a 90th minute equalizer and possibly one of the goals of the season? What like what's this about?
1: Um but, but he didn't do much throughout the rest of the game. Like he was mm-hmm. there, but Palace were poor overall and he was really not in the game apart from that. If you notice the Palace shots were all wonder
0: strikes, uh Otsane Edward has this shot in the first half that Deya tips onto the bar. And yeah. as soon as he takes that shot, we're all just looking at the ball, and we're like, "Okay, that's going in," and he just about gets it onto the post. And there's, there's, um, I think a Mark Gehi corner that also they had a header that he tips over. It yeah, was fairly close to him. The, the the free kick, I have no qualms about it. Is what it is. Uh, and um, given what happened in the Derby, I, I think it's this is such a United thing. To take points off City and drop and, and drop them at Palace. It's so United. I don't think United are going to get anything out at the Emirates given the midfield state. But if they come out with a point or something, I would not be surprised because it would just be the most United thing to do.
1: I'm I'm going for a two-one to mm. Arsenal, obviously. Yeah, two-one. I'd be surprised if we keep a clean sheet at home I because, think... as I said earlier, you conceded too many goals at home. United will probably nick one at some stage, but. I think we'll have enough.
0: I, I would go... so I'm going so far as a tunnel to Arsenal. I think the United fan in me is going, a, going for a 1-1 because we don't do well at the Emirates. I don't think United have won at the Emirates for four years now since the FA Cup came.
1: Um, well, I thought it was your dance floor and all that stuff. The fans and all that <laughs> I mean, it I was the dance floor then. I mean, I heard <laughs> all that noise. I still hear it going into the game. They were... Cause,
0: I think a building, <laughs> up <to> that, <laughs> building up to that game... <laughs> United had an amazing record at the Emirates, because they had they had, had one loss since Ferguson's retirement there, which was that that 3-0 tulping um yeah. in the first twenty minutes. But Albert Steuvenberg was our was our assistant coach under Louis Van Hal. I, I don't think a lot of people know that. The two assistant coaches at at Arsenal, Steuvenberg and Mark Round are ex United coaches.
1: So, yeah, but the guy who really has made the difference for me is uh, Carlos Cuesta, the mental conditioning coach. You should look into him. Mm-hmm. He's, I think he's the main reason for Arsene's, like big change in mentality. And you saw that in the Amazon talk as well. If you mm-hmm. like, He's playing a huge role in just the in mentality, especially in these away games and how to prepare the players.
0: I, yeah, I mean, clearly working. Clearly, clearly working. I, do, I don't think... Um, I, I, you know, you they don't have that, that, uh, that glaring weakness, which, um, which I think is very prevalent with City these days, given how they play. Like uh, I, I call it the smog problem. For those of you who are familiar with with the Hobbit, smog is this big, huge dragon that is absolutely plated with gold uh, and obviously dragon scales, so his skin is more or less impenetrable. But he has this one spot. That you can get at, and if you hit that spot, you you cause them damage. Similarly, with City, it's that people have figured out that the the, the whole idea of this season, at least for for Pep's team, has been to funnel the ball to to Haaland at all points. And the moment you cut off that supply line, there's very little that City offer. If Everton can do it, and if Luke Shaw, centre back <laughs> for United, can do it. This is uh, there's very clearly a glaring weakness that that City are carrying around with them at the moment. Yes, Haaland scores you for he's going to score you 35, 40 goals come the end of the season. That's what he's in the team for. But I would have been more scared of them if Harry Kane went there because Kane has is, is a great playmaker. He can drop into those little pockets where Haaland tried to drop in during the derby and cause havoc because um, the runners would have. You know, would have made a big difference. And that's my second point. Selling Sterling and Jesus and depending on, on Grealish and Mahrez to do your running for you has severely short-changed them there as well. There are, there are a lot more predictable. You have the Bernardo drop-off. Has Ilkay Gundogan moved to Barcelona? Is he on the verge of moving to Barcelona? Uh, I just read something. I don't think
1: I, I'm not sure. I haven't seen... The I mean on that front. So there's... The, the the team is in need of
0: um, some reshaping, which is why it's <laughs> it must be frustrating to Liverpool fans because this is the season Pep is actually take a transition season and <laughs> Liverpool have dropped off and Arsenal have absolutely taken off.
1: Well, that happens every season. There's some teams who drop off. It's, I mean, it's nothing new. It's like, but City and Liverpool are just like those two boxers in the ring who have gone mm-hmm. for like 11 rounds. And now they're just out of gas in the 12th, and I just like, oh man, we need to we need to recover for the next fight here. Yeah, cause, and they're cause just Liv- going through that transition.
0: Because I watched Liverpool um, against Brighton after the Manchester derby, and oh, it was it was the term "hot knife through butter" doesn't get thrown around very often in football, but "hot knife through butter" it was. There were they were times we just playing through the midfield press that Mitoma kid. Very impressive um, background. Apparently, his thesis was on dribbling. That and uh, he he put a camera to his head and uh, wrote an entire thesis on how defenders react to certain movements when a player is running at them. Rejected a bunch of contracts to go study in university. Every Brown kid's parents dream he is uh, such
1: so, a Japanese <laughs> yeah. typical Japanese guy. Yeah.
0: Bought him for three million, and now sixty million is being bandied about for him. he's
1: so good yeah I mean Chelsea can try like someone came across an article they can try to buy the players do whatever but I think that the scouting chief at Brighton if you don't get him you're basically like I forget his name but he's basically the guy some clubs need to look at
0: so it was funny you brought that up because they were like who is uh, the the Troussat signing has been completed right at this point Uh, has it? Yeah, it has twenty-seven million in the fee. Yeah, yeah, twenty-seven million. The fee's been agreed. Um, we too we had a too
1: high. He's only got five months left on his contract.
0: Well, it's okay. I mean, at, at this Crazy. in the scheme of things, that's a spearing ticket. Because I mean, if you get good uh, uh, three years out of Trasad, twenty-seven million is is a steal.
1: Um, he just I mean, turned twenty-eight. He's
0: he's in his yeah. prime. He's in his prime. He's not. Extremely pace dependent, picks up good positions. I I think it's a great signing, but as people rightly pointed out, they're like, Arsenal should buy the player that Brighton are looking to replace Trossard with. (laughs) Because clearly, there must be something uh, cooking there for them to have given Trossard up for what, 28, 27, 28 million?
1: I don't know. I've, I have mixed feelings about this transfer, but he's not going to be a starter anyway. You just got to use him in the cup in Europe. You so, need backup, right? I mean, it's yeah. fine. And, it's, and I, I mean, it's fine. It's
0: mm.
1: better than something, nothing.
0: And I feel... Uh, who
1: does he replace in the front three? He replaces Martinelli because of his engine issues? Yeah, I think he can play on the right as well. Yeah, but he mm. can play Mart- instead of Martinelli. Or even Martinelli. Now we have uh, Till Jesus... Is not back. Martinelli can be shifted to number nine and draw mm. some play on the left as well. We got options in terms of switching around that front three. There's, That's all we needed.
0: You don't need cover for midfield, is that or is that a discussion that
1: we probably need something? another central midfielder? But I don't know if what today is the nineteenth. I mean, if we get another midfielder, it'll be crazy. But I'll be surprised if they sign anyone. So maybe someone on loan. They'll probably go for a loan deal, which is more realistic.
0: Definitely, I think a loan deal makes more sense. Um, because you want to do your business in the summer. Declan Rice is being banned about in the summer for for a cut price deal.
1: And I think he wants to come. I think really, I saw something after that West Ham game in the Hamlets. Where mm-hmm. he was just like like Arsenal are really on it. Mm-hmm. And I think he just really likes the way he's playing at the moment. So if he comes, I mean it'll be perfect because party is thirty, Jack has I think close to thirty. Mm-hmm. So if you can get him and maybe another under twenty five midfielder, because probably the other guy what's his name Sam will probably go out on loan, yeah, he's probably going out on loan are you on the on the
0: on the side of the arsenal fan base that wants him sold
1: not sold i think I think he should just go out on loan, hmm. maybe a year out on loan will do him good because you can see there's something there, but maybe he's just not able to express it. Send him, send him to Burnley
0: under Vincent Company, <laughs> who speaks very highly of him. Company had him at Andelekt, right? Um, yeah. He called him the next Viera because he had he had the tools <laughs> to... <laughs> too many Vieras going around. You have to choose which Vieira. <laughs> I mean, I, I, Fabio needs some bulking up. He's a little lightweight. And I'm sure that'll happen. Him and, and Brian, he'll have. I need to go find a gym in North London somewhere and, and do some bench presses for a couple of weeks.
1: <sighs> I, mean, I think it's next couple of weeks. It's going to be good. A lot of games. A
0: lot of games. I think you get sucked into this the week after once Europe kicks in, right? I believe until then you have one game a week. March, till, yeah, until mid Feb, and then you get sucked into it. Your run after United is quite favourable, but you don't particularly have a, a very nice
1: end to the season. I know we got four tough games: Chelsea, City, Newcastle, and one. We still have to play Liverpool away.
0: Mm. City at City away, Liverpool away, uh, Southampton yeah. at Southampton at home. I think you have West Ham away. So a bunch of teams that are either competing for top four, title, or relegation
1: next 10 games, I'm telling you, the next 10 games are going to decide it, according to me. Arsenal go unscathed for the next 10.
0: Hmm. That's the that's like, title wrapped yeah. up.
1: Like, you, you always have to wait for that one game every season with the teams that are in contention, like when Leicester won it. Hmm. They went to City and they won 3-1, right? Hmm. And then, then people are like, oh, they're going to win it. Until that game comes for us, which is going to be probably, probably 10, 11, 12 games, We are still in it. Then you can say you're in it. Like, come on. I think and
0: if then you then- if you beat City at the Emirates, you
1: you're that's your game.
0: I think City at the Emirates is next month, and if yeah, fifteenth. I think if you, if you beat them, that's when I think it was also around that time where Leicester went to City and they beat them three one or four um, one, and everyone was like, yeah, okay, now now it's real. I mean, we know the Arsenal so, threat is very real because of what happened at Spurs and what's been happening on the weeks prior. But that's your marker. And
1: I, and I think Arsenal should just forget about all the other competitions, you know, just play the B-C strings for the cup in Europa and just focus on the league. Yeah, for I, I mean... You just if do any. that. No one cares. You get knocked out first round yeah. Europa. No one
0: cares as long as you're going in the league. And then I think he's managed that well, right?
1: Jesus is back April or is it March... March, I think he should be back mid-March. Mm. As long as we have him a few weeks prior to the run-in, it's good. We just need him for those crunch games.
0: Okay, yeah. Then him in those, yeah. those final yeah. six, seven games can make a huge difference.
1: Yeah. But That's all they need to focus on.
0: Yeah. There are a bunch of really interesting games also this weekend. Which is let's let's start off with the big mid-table clash. Oh, I'm enjoying. I'm going to enjoy saying this till they get their shit in, in order. Uh, Liverpool take on Chelsea in the twelve o'clock kick-off um, this Saturday. Both teams are going through a weird transition. I I think one manager will not last the season, and that probably is Graham Potter. Great
1: manager is at the wrong club. I don't know. I think it's going to be. Liverpool are going to win it but it's going to be a slightly high scoring game mm-hmm. but I saw somewhere in terms of Chelsea the only I think the whole FFP thing is mm-hmm. going to come into play if they don't qualify for Champions League so they they really need to start getting results which yeah. I think they're not yeah soon. Um,
0: I believe the reason <laughs> they've been doing those seven eight-year contracts um,
1: Unheard of. So they can split it up. They can split the payments up because the FFP is like a cyclical thing.
0: Yeah, it's, I think like, it's an... like every
1: three, two or three years or something. So that's why they're splitting it up. That's why the eight-year contract for Moutri and all this kind of stuff. Mm. But Chelsea so... will be in real mire like if they don't qualify, and I'm delighted. made <laughs> it I don't. I, I think Liverpool have the capability
0: of snapping it back together and going on this run. They do need a midfield, though. The, the problem is that the legs have gone from underneath their midfield. But if there's any team capable yeah. of put putting together yeah. a top four run, it's them. Which is why I've maintained
1: yeah. to,
0: to secure top four, you need to put points between yourself and Liverpool because they're of clawing back big deficits.
1: The last I heard was uh, yesterday, actually, on Sky. Bellingham's mm. dad is talking to Klopp. Mm. So... If that happens, boom, they're straight back in the mix next season.
0: They yeah. need more Big than time. Bellingham, in my opinion. They need, their entire midfield needs to go. So if, if you're going to spunk um, 150 million on Jude Bellingham, you need a supporting cast to come in with them. So I think you need that. They're looking at Moises Caicedo as well. Uh, and Brighton are throwing 70 million at them in terms of figures required. You Then whole midfield needs to be moved on. And so then they'll take two,
1: two or three of windows, but they'll be back yeah, before for sure. Chelsea. Yeah, for sure. Because you've seen like, even though with the whole ownership transition that's currently going on, as long as Liverpool's again, the general manager stays, hmm. they get the deal done.
0: Oh, but the general manager's gone.
1: So okay. the, the recruitment's in a
0: bit of disarray. I think this is the season they gave Klopp more power to make um, signings. It's not gone particularly well. I look at Cody Gakpo, and I don't know where exactly he fits in. Maybe this is his bedding in season, and and things will get better for him. But from from what I've watched in the Wolves game, um, he things didn't look too good. Diego Jota, I think, is back this weekend. Um, Luis Diaz is back in March, if not April. Next season, they they have more or less replenished their their front line. Um, and I think they'll be able to survive without Salah starting next season. Like, for me, the Salah thing was over. It was over a, a, a week ago, or a week, rather, last season. Uh, I kind of figured this was the end, and maybe he's got a couple of, he has a couple of goals in, in him here and there. Giving him that new contract was the wrong thing to do, in my opinion. They should have looked to sell him, but it is what it is, probably do want to sell your prize yeah. goal scorer.
1: Um, yeah, they're basically in a similar situation. A lot of injuries,
0: mm-hmm. a
1: lot of, you know, turmoil behind the scenes. Both clubs, but I see, I, I still feel Liverpool will, you know, bounce back. They've at least figured out the formula, you know. Yeah. And Chelsea, what, they do mm-hmm. what they do.
0: What do you have going into this game, score predictions-wise?
1: I think 3-2 Liverpool.
0: Oh, we're going for a high-scoring game. I, I'm going yeah. for a, a two-one. I think it'll it'll be um, an edgy sort of game. That Liverpool will edge.
1: Modric will take the uh, all the headlines. He'll probably play. I'll probably that, be involved in some shape or form. That was the most bizarre transfer I've seen in the last ten years or so. It's been very. I very feel like it's a lot of like it's a political transfer in my opinion because they gave like twenty million pounds to like. The war effort and stuff, yeah, like it's, yeah. There. Like, it's so weird.
0: Very, like, I, just... maybe, yeah, in, in five years we'll have more information come out on it because it just like everything seems a bit strange in, in how things went down.
1: Uh, anyway, unless yeah. you speak about Chelsea, the better. Like, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's quickly move on to, to Bournemouth and Forest. Forest are on a bit, of, have caught second wind, they've they're out of the relegation zone, they've strung up a few wins. And I think they're getting, they're signing somebody else. They were looking at Kelo Navas as a replacement for, for Dean Henderson.
1: Yeah, I saw that as well.
0: Strange club, very, very strange really? club.
1: Which is fine. I mean, uh, if you look at the table mm. where uh, Forrest are uh, basically 13th. But if you mm. look at it from 20th to like, what, 11th mm. or even like 10th. Like basically 10 clubs separated by like 10 points. Yeah, Chelsea are in a relegation battle. <laughs> yeah, 10-13 points. It's crazy. It's kind of I feel this but... season's like relegation battle is going to be insane.
0: Yeah, you know, West Ham have, I've just signed Danny Ings, so I think there's an issue with Kamaka and it's going to be interesting to see how he changes that team around, if at all. But I think with, with this game, I'm going for Forest to beat Bournemouth. I think Bournemouth had a nice little run for a bit, but I think Forest will, will pick up an easy 2 0 win here.
1: Yeah, it should be. I think even Forest, yeah. 2 1, I would say.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Leicester, Brighton, and time to take Ward out of your fantasy teams. Brighton are going to the Kings <laughs> per King Power and absolutely steamrolling them. They're they're so good. Brighton are just so good. Roberto deserve. He plays such free-flowing, fun football.
1: Actually, I don't mind watching a lot of Brighton games this season, because you know you're going to be entertained. Yeah, and
0: and he he seems very much to come from the school of thought of if you score four, we'll score six. Um, It's hell for leather football, and I'm all here for it.
1: Like, the Serbis should just, you know, you should just say that line from the Gladiator. Oh, are you not on the team? He's just killing everyone yeah. who's, who he's been playing. Like, just putting them away.
0: Yeah, even... I think Arsenal are the only ones to have come out of the Amex Stadium with, some, with like, three points. Everybody else has gone through and gotten a spanking and come back. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, the surprising we, thing about that game was we had, like, what, 30, 30-odd percent possession. It's crazy.
0: And it almost went, like, the the, the moment they took off Thomas party, things flipped the other way. Because they didn't stop. Brighton just kept coming.
1: Uh, Yeah, but I think I'm going for, like, maybe even, like, 4-1 to Brighton that game. 4-1? Is it the Leicester game? Yeah, because Leicester have been woeful. They've been on a shocking run of Mm. form. Like, shocking. And I don't know how he's still in his job. Because they can't afford to sack him, that's the thing, right? This is
0: the huge financial issues at, at Leicester, which is why they are in the position that they are. They haven't bought anyone either. They're looking to sell telemets at a cut price deal this uh this window. I think United should be all over it given the Donny Vanderbeek situation, who is out for the season. United don't have a, a progressor in, in midfield anymore. So, Telemans would be good, but I don't know if they have the money for it either. Given United,
1: they're going for loan options this, this winter.
0: <laughs> yeah, look, a sell is very much on the cards. And a lot of the fan base is like, even if we don't win anything, if we get sold, open, uh, open to a bus
1: parade. <laughs> like that, that's it. But I think coming back, Leicester and Everton yeah. are in real danger. Oh, for sure. I think Everton has.
0: Everton, um, with whatever's happening with Lampard, Lampard looks lost. He looks aged. Uh, and them going to West Ham on the weekend is going to be a fun watch because even Moyes is under a lot of pressure. The West Ham fan base is set up with him. The Everton fan base, I think, has little more credit for Lampard given that he pulled them out of the relegation mire last year.
1: Um yeah, but Moyes has got the experience, seasoned manager. You know, you, you know, you expect him to come out of it at some stage. Think, he always it, does.
0: Yeah, I think West Ham win this comfortably. I think they win it 2-0. No? I hope Everton go down so we can get Calvert-Lewin on a cut-price deal. I really like Calvert-Lewin. I think he works uh, really well in certain systems. And um, I'm I'm a big fan of him. So let's see what what
1: happens there. Yeah, um, I think the only the only two bright spots for Everton have been Calvert-Lewin and Evobee. Iwobi, surprisingly.
0: Evobee has turned into some. Yeah. yeah. He's paymaker. basically
1: just carried them throughout the season, even against that loss in the cup against United before he got injured. Mm. Wow! Like he was on it. Some players thrive in the situations,
0: right? And I think Evobee, even if you notice, was it the Europa League final where he scores that banger? So,
1: yeah. In 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 Baku, are you there? So. And
0: actually, and I Actually, actually,
1: I caught the only goal of that Arsenal scored on camera. Oh, like, man. Oh, we'll, see, we'll see what happens here. And, <laughs> we'll see, and whatever. I don't want to think about it.
0: Because <laughs> I thought, okay, oh,
1: here we go, here we go, here we go. And then they went back
0: there and scored. Yeah. So I was in a bar with, and there was a Chelsea fan behind me, this older, older gentleman. And he bought everybody champagne the, the moment that fourth goal went in. Like went, went to the bar, said I'll take the the nicest bottle you have, and he started pouring it everywhere. <laughs> oh my! So, okay, I, I won't. I shall not bring back some uh, some repressed memories. Let, let's move on. Yeah. What do you have for this game by Stan Everton? Uh, maybe a draw, actually. Maybe a one-one. A one-one sounds would, would be I would would do would leave things on on a perfect cliffhanger for the rest of the season. It'll be it'll be fun to watch.
1: Saying 1-1, but you see that Everton, they have to make so many mistakes. But i say 1-1, yeah.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Brain dead sometimes.
0: Uh, Newcastle Palace, I think. I expect Newcastle to go to Palace and absolutely steamroll them. Um, Those
1: are, these are the guys. I think this could be a surprise here. I think Newcastle could be surprised here. They don't have Gimardash this weekend, right? I think he's out. Yeah, he should be out, but I don't think it's long term. So he should Mm -hmm. be back soon enough but I think Palace could really surprise Newcastle I feel um, I think
0: Newcastle don't lose this game I, I'm, but I'm going for a nil-nil I don't think they win. They have enough in the tank to win it either
1: I, I'm calling 2-1 to, to Palace Ooh, damn! Eze is going to be starting that game because he was mm. arrested yesterday mm. Eze will start on the weekend mm. and I think Newcastle are going to be in for a surprise and that Eze tripier battle is going to be good mm. looking forward to that one are Newcastle in a title race. Are they? I think in the top four. They're third or they're fourth. Yeah, but they played the extra game as well.
0: Yeah, I think they're fourth right now, I
1: believe. And every they're, team... on level, they're level on points with United, playing uh, same number of games. I think they're mm-hmm. playing same number of games. Yeah.
0: Every team, barring City, has to go to that's in the top four contention. Has to go to Saint James. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's not, that's good. That place is going to turn. It's anyway,
1: uh, not, not a happy hunting ground for many clubs. But, oh. but if you see the, the rubber, the green has been going Newcastle's way the last couple of weeks, you know, even though that penalty against Fulham and all that stuff that's going on, it's going to run out at some point. Like everyone's saying, oh, what if Newcastle turned those draws into wins? But I think those draws could soon go the other way around and they could be like going through a rut because they they have got like eight draws so far.
0: Yeah, so they could like everyone's waiting for them to fall off, they just don't seem to fall off, which is kind of crazy to me. Just, they just they keep grinding out those wins time and time again, or like those even those draws. Yes, the Palace game sorry, the, the Fulham game they got a l- rubber of the green with that <laughs> double kick penalty, but they pulled it off. Isaac and Wilson combined in the 89th minute to, to take the points home. They just notoriously difficult to break down and I think that's what Eddie Howe has really uh, done well. Apparently after, I think we spoke about this last week, right? after after Bermut got relegated and he got the sack, he went around Europe to like understand defensive shapes and how to make his teams more resolute because he was basically getting destroyed week in and week out for the attacking football he played. And he went and spent a significant time at Atletico Madrid under Diego Simeone and picked up a lot of is footballing philosophy philosophies, which is kind of implemented very well at Newcastle. Newcastle are irritating; they do all the
1: Atlético Madrid bits very well. Yeah, but it's so frustrating. Like, even I told you the stat: right, the ball wasn't mm-hmm. played for like forty odd minutes against Arsenal. When they played at the end, it's, like it's just that's that's too much.
0: It is, and, then, like, and the, but that's the thing. Right? That's a, that's how you level the playing field, right? Because if let's say if Newcastle went over to Arsenal and went like hell for leather, they'd have gotten destroyed on the counter, which is why Pep keeps saying, no, no, come play football, come play football. Come play football, why? Because you want to spank that team 5-0. That team can't play the football you play. Like they'll be open wide on the counter. Certain teams, and as much as I hate Simeone football, I watched um, Atletico time-waste their way to a quarter-final last season in the Champions League against United. They threw bottles at Simeone on his way out. Like that's how atrocious it was. But I understand it. Because you need to um you need to grind out teams where the where the quality is higher compared to like
1: um your own team. Yeah, you get that. But that, mm. on the other hand, after let like, let's say hypothetically Newcastle finish in the top four, you would not get Europe, right? Some form mm. of European football. Mm. And then they're gonna spend still continue to spend a bunch of money. And he continues to play that kind of football. So the next step for the fans is going to be like, oh, I want our team to play like the big guys, you know? Some entertaining, mm-hmm. flowing stuff. And that's I, what he's not going to be able to do at any stage. And I don't think, his downfall.
0: I don't think Newcastle will have that problem for a few years <laughs> because they're just... I mean, their whole spiel until, uh, until last season was to avoid relegation, stay in the league, get Mike Ashley out the club. Um, for them right now, this is this is seventh heaven. Yes, maybe that will change in maybe three, four years. Um, but right now, for them, what Eddie Howe is doing, they're ecstatic. I was listening to a Newcastle podcast the other day, and he's like, "I could have never, ever dreamed that we'd be in a situation." Yes, we're, um, you know, we we haven't got the, the glamorous signings yet. They are the most well-to-do club in the league right now. The PIF is it? It's called the PIF, isn't it? Um, yeah, the, the public the, investment are, fund. Yeah, the fund that owns them. Yeah, is, is the wealthiest fund in the world, and nobody uh, is going to, uh, you know, disagree with that. But it's it's the smart signings that they've made. Trippier for twelve million. Alexander Isaac, maybe not your free flowing um, attacker that like, that you thought you'd spend sixty odd million on, but still been very good whenever he's been called into action. Bruno Gimerich is a steal. I don't know how no other club got him. He's so good for what he does in that midfield. I'm very envious of that signing. Um, and what Eddie Howe has done with Jolinton, pushing him back into midfield and making him this combative box-to-box, sometimes attacking midfielder, is not to be like looked down upon. They're, they're really doing well with the resources they have. They could have done the Man City thing and gone and thrown money at like a Robinho type of character, but they haven't.
1: They they're kind of. Scholten could be in trouble with that drink in driving charge. Yeah. So I mean, you <laughs> still there, so a couple career. of couple of things going on for Newcastle. It's not going mm-hmm. to be smooth sailing, but I, I think if they get top, it will be insane.
0: Yeah, it, it will be, and I feel you know what I I actually think they might. I think they're they're just about there at this point. Um, anyway, leeds Brentford. I think Brentford win that comfortably. Leeds are running on Jesse Marsh uh, and Brentford are playing some really fun stuff. I don't know what's happening with Ivan Tony. I took him out of my fantasy and somehow he's back. Isn't his his court decision
1: sometime this week? He's, hmm. he's playing. He's playing. He's going to be playing till that whole thing is solved. Hmm. So with him, you just got to follow the news. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah exactly so, so frustrating I, I took him out and replaced him with MBMO thinking oh MBMO has had like a banger of a game against Liverpool he's obviously going to return against Bournemouth not the case um, City Wolves Wolves look dysfunctional as per usual <laughs> uh, but it, it'll be, be some time before uh, Lepetui gets his, his um, style of play into the, into the team speaking of do you know Sevilla are 19th in La Liga
1: yeah, they could be relegated. Yeah,
0: that's insane. And what what happened there?
1: No idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's crazy. Like talking about the other leagues. Mm. Uh, I think the Jan transfer spend so far. If you compare the Prem to all the other top leagues in Europe, at least mm. I think the Prem has spent like over three three 350 mil. Yeah, the other leagues haven't nowhere near it. 20 that's million, I think. 20-19 is what? Yeah, something like that. But that's not good for football. Oh, it's that's not? That's not good at all. The,
0: the Super League exists. It's called the English Premier League, which is why Juventus,
1: yeah. Barcelona, Real Madrid are so... But agar- then you have like the other stories, like quotes that Perez, right? That former Arsenal player. Hmm. Like he's gone back to Cadiz to like, you know, boyhood club. Take mm-hmm. paid five hundred K out of his own pocket. Pocket and of, and yeah, and to go have them. Yeah. yeah. You have those stories unfolding. That as well. shouldn't be happening though. That shouldn't be happening.
0: I don't know. I feel like we're if, we, if we'll if we ever reach like an NBA style um, of league where you know you have like picks, maybe because I don't know when the bubble bursts, if the bubble has already burst. Looking at the Chelsea signings and just Chelsea have spunked five hundred million. In two transfer windows. Yeah, Todd Bowles on Twitter uh, spaces.
1: Think, yeah, I think I saw somewhere this year the Prems like six billion, I think. It's crazy.
0: Which is why the numbers being quoted for, for for quoted for players from around Europe are so high, right? Like Enzo Fernandez, they said 120 million. They bought it for 10 million, I think what last
1: year. Man, it's all Anthony's fault, i would say. It's all <laughs> Anthony's fault. Hundred million. Plurge. (laughs) Spoil the market.
0: Yeah, of course. (laughs) I mean, it's nothing to do with Roman back in the day, but yes. (laughs) Uh, The Anthony thing, I don't know, man. The 100 million for Anthony still. Ajax must be laughing at us. Not to Edwin van der Sar. How could you, Edwin? It is is what it is. Uh, But yes, the final games to conclude the weekend, we have United and Arsenal. We've both given our thoughts on that. I am looking forward to it, uh, a 10pm kickoff here. I think it's, what, 6.30 for you? You're going to be at the ground.
1: Kickoff. 4.30 is it? 4.30 kickoff. Going to be in and around uh, the stadium early Sunday. Mm. Sunday, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a good one. It'll it's going to be, be a fun one. good
0: one. Yeah,
1: like the build-up you can already wait. see.
0: Yeah, there's, there's, there's already a bite in the air with regards to that game. Uh, I don't per- personally expect much. Um, I feel this is a fixture traditionally that the home teams win, so I'm expecting Arsenal to win. But Arsenal should win. That being said, given that uh, shredded... I, I mm-hmm. will, I will be surprised if it's like a spanking. You would be surprised if it was a spanking. I think it could be. Yeah. it could go absolutely horrible if Arsenal come flying out the bo- out of the blocks and United aren't ready for them. Um, there is a conversation being had about playing Martinez in midfield, but I don't think that'll be the case. I think you'll see you'll see Fred McTominay, Ericsson in there, with with Bruno on the right and um, and Rashford on the on the left with with Weggos playing up front. So expect yeah, that. You really think is going to start? Come on, no way. I think Wegos is starting. No way, because Weggos. I really feel he's starting because you need. If you notice the game, even yesterday, the moment Weggost went off, the, the linker play absolutely died. Until that, United had a focal point to get up the pitch and keep the ball there. And the moment he went off, and this happened against uh, City as well, right when Martial went off, the focal point is missing. Rashford can't play it well. He has never played it well. I expect Weggost to start that game. I, I will not be surprised if Canacho starts and Ashford is in the middle. So. Ganacho, I don't think he's going to start him. I feel the, the way Tenag is handling him is he's handling him well. He is like, he, he calls him out on his bullshit. He puts him in positions where he thinks he's going to make a difference. I think Ganacho, if he's going to start trailing in that game come the second half, um, it, he'll bring him on to go more direct. But I feel he is going to try and... Uh, and, and keep that game contained because what you want to do in a game like this is you want to sap the, the home crowd out in the first 20 minutes and it's very important Arsenal usually start like a house on fire right? like we just spoke about it's very very important that the first 20 minutes are more of like a, a tactical chess match so let's see I'm going for a 1-1 one, one. I think that's probably the best we can do given uh, give, given our midfield options
1: uh, I think it's going to be 2-1 just going for a safe two-one. A safe two-one, and man. if it's a spanking, so be it.
0: <laughs> so be it. So be it. Anyway, that's us for this weekend. We'll we'll catch you on the next week. Hopefully, the third <laughs> week. We're going to make this three weeks in a row. Let's let's make this happen. The old Trafford tax doesn't apply at the Emirates. You'll be surprised. Wasn't was it the game that uh, was it the Fellaini Wilsha situation where they went got into a headbutting match and both of them could have been sent mm-hmm. off. I've seen some bizarre games at the Emirates too. Like there have been some weird, weird games.
1: It's not anyway. Okay. It, it's it's going to be what it is. It is going to be what it is. Let's it's going to be a good one. And yeah. Mm.
0: All right, guys. That's us. We'll catch you next week. One of us will be happier. Both of us will be absolutely irritated. Uh, <laughs> that's usually how these games go. We'll see you soon. Take care. Yeah. See you.